Look at me for a minute. I am who I am because the great I am says that I am. If you agree with that, say it with me. I am who I am for the great I am says that I am. One more time. I am who I am for the great I am says that I am. Now join me in prayer. Father, I thank you for the truth that the great I am who was and is and is to come, the Almighty One, saw fit to empty Himself and come here and do what only He could do, and that is to die a death He did not deserve and be raised to life by the power of God to overcome sin and death. I thank You that because of that we have victory over sin. I thank You because of that Satan has no place in this place, in our presence, and it is in the name of Jesus Christ that we bind Him and send Him from here that hearts would be open and that eyes would see and that ears would hear the beauty and the majesty of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is your gospel that has changed our lives. May we offer them back to you, a living and holy sacrifice, by the power of your Spirit. And in the name of Jesus, we pray these things. And all God's people said, Amen. Jesus was walking along, sorry, you can be seated. Jesus was walking along with his disciples, and he's been talking to them now for about a year and a half in his three years with them, and he says to them, so who do the people say that I am? And they're kind of throwing out answers. Some say Elijah, and some say the prophets. And finally, Peter, who's always eager to talk, he gets one right, and he says, you are the Christ. You are the Son of the living God. You are the promised one. You are the Messiah. You're the one we've been waiting for. And Jesus says to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because you got the answer right, because my father revealed it to you. But then he says this, And upon that profession that I am the Christ, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's the series that we're in going through this toolkit. Upon this rock, it's upon the gospel, the good news, that God did for us what we could not do. Frankly, what we would not do apart from him. But it's not getting any easier to be a Christian. When Jesus says, and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, guys, that is an offensive statement. The gates are not things we put up to keep evil out. We are to take the fight to the enemy. It's the gates of hell. And he's saying, they will not overcome my church. But when we look around, we can start to believe that evil is winning. It has always been hard to be a Christian, though. Why? Because the world is screaming to us an anti-gospel message. The world is screaming to us a different message other than you are who you are because God says that's who you are. It's telling you to be this and be that, and here's how you can get there, and, and, and here's how you're going to be happy, and, and that's what today's message is about. Our problem is we tend to have a wrong focus. The waves of the world are so overwhelming, what happens to us is we lose sight of Christ, 
And what we fixate on, our minds migrate towards. What our minds migrate on, or meditate on, our heart looks like. What molds our heart consumes our souls. What consumes our souls defines our life. As Christians, what should define our life? In a word, love. That's what, when, when the lawmaker comes to Jesus and says, so what's the, what is the greatest thing you can do as a follower of Christ? What does he say? Love God, love others. But we struggle with that because we have the wrong thought focus. It's not an, it's, it doesn't start in the heart. It starts in our minds and works its way down into our heart. Pastor Erwin Lutzer says, our hearts cannot have two ultimate loyalties. So today we're going to look at how do we keep our ultimate loyalty, Jesus Christ, as we look at a message called Renewing Your Mind. These two, mess- these two topics in the toolkit are probably the two most important topics in the entire toolkit that are outside of just the gospel message itself, which were the first few topics in the toolkit. The two things that hinder Christians more than anything else is unforgiveness and bitterness, which we looked at last week and we'll bring in a little bit this week, and this idea of being able to renew your mind with the truth of who God says he is and who he says you are to him. And if we can get that as a body, it will supernaturally change our year. If we can live in real unforgiveness and in the power of a renewed mind, you will look so distinctly different at the end of this year you won't recognize you. We don't teach a topic, though. We teach a text. So uh, we're going to open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. Hopefully you've read through it already today. We tell you what the passages are going to be ahead of time so that you have time to read through it and prepare your heart and your mind, maybe last night, maybe this morning, maybe on your way to church. But that's part of why we we give them to you ahead of time. But this is not going to cover everything there is to know about renewing your mind. That's, the toolkit doesn't either, but it's a start. If you're not going through those exercises that Dan talked about, the questions in the toolkit, and toolkits are in the back, if you need one, just take one. But you're not going to follow through this process, because I'm going to teach this text, not the topic. the topic. The text addresses the topic of renewing your mind, but doesn't tell us everything there is to know about it. But it is important to see what God's Word says about it. Here is today's question. This is the question I ask every week. I ask a question because it is what, it's the question that is asked and hopefully answered at the end of my time up here today. How do we fix our focus? How do we fix our focus? The first thing we have to do is we have to focus on the gospel. Before we get to Romans 12, we need to take a minute and go, why is Romans 12 in the Bible? And why is Romans 12 at Romans 12 and not at Romans 1 or 2 or 3? It's because what, what Paul has done in the book of Romans is he has laid out the gospel. That is the good news. It's what Jeff talked about on the 30th of December, about this idea of that there was creation, the fall, redemption, and ultimate restoration. That is the gospel message that God has been telling since the very beginning. And what he says is in, in, Roman, in the book of Romans, it is Paul's great thesis on what the gospel is. And in Romans 1 and 2, he says, God proclaimed... He's talking, he says, God is the one who created everything. God is the one who said that I am evident to everybody through what I created, so there is no one without excuse. And then in Romans 3 through 5, in those, in those chapters, it says God provides the way out of our issue. He says in Romans 3, he says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 
But then in Romans 5, he says, but while you were in that condition, while you were a sinner, Christ died for you. And then in chapter 6 through 8, he says, now God has provided a way of righteousness in Christ. That when you were dead in your trespasses and sins, God made you alive together with Christ. And then Romans 8, 1, everybody's favorite verse, and now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And then in chapters 9 through 11, Paul's saying, and that gospel message has gone out to the whole world. Jew, Gentile, it's for everybody. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, Romans 10, 17, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, no matter what your ethnicity, no matter what your parents believe, no matter who, what color your skin is, no matter where you live in the world, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you are saved. Thank you. Should have been a lot of amens there. And then at the end of Romans 11, so I told you to turn to 12. Turn back if you need to. Look at, look at the last few. I, I, this is some, part of my, probably my favorite passage in Romans, actually. Because here's the great Apostle Paul, who's been inspired by the Holy Spirit to write 11 chapters of the Gospel. And he gets to the end and he goes, Oh, the depths of both the riches and wisdom of knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and unfathomable his ways. He's saying, I don't know. I don't, I don't get it either. This is, he's like, he's, he's saying what a lot of us say, a lot of what the, this is not how I would have laid the plan out. I never would have let the fall fall. I never would have sent my son to die. And, and Paul's writing all this and he's getting to the end. He's like, I don't get it either, people. But, verse 34, who has known the mind of the Lord and who has become his counselor? Are you ready to say to God, you did it wrong? And then he says in verse 30, 35, and who's given anything to him anyway that wasn't already given to him by God in the first place? And we'll get to Paul's answer to that here in a minute. And then I love it. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. To who be the glory? Him. Because one of the things we have to come to grips with in, in understanding how to live for Christ is that Christ saved you for himself, not for you. Amen. Christ saved him for the glory, Christ saved you for the glory of God, not for your glory, not for my glory, not for Cornerstone Church's glory. And if we can start there, we'll get the rest of the story. I love how what Brian said last week. Brian Tootin taught last week, and he said this. The gospel story should affect every part of your life's story. But that's only true if we really believe what I just said. That will only be true in our lives if we really believe that Christ saved us for himself, not for, our, not for us. Then every part of our lives will be lived to the glory of the gospel. So Paul now is inspired to write Romans, start just to kind of turn the page or flip the pancake and go, now what? Well, here's our, here's our problem as people, guys. Here's, here's Doug's problem, because I'm a doer. I am performance-oriented. You, you tell me, just give me a punch list of what to do, God, and I will get busy. And yet, what, what we can't do is we can't go, okay, Romans 12 is now what I have to do. Like Romans 12 on through the rest of the book in 16 is our role in this. And leave behind the 11 chapters Paul wrote. The gospel of chapters 1 through 11 have to go with us in chapter 12. So when we read in our passage, Romans 12, and we, and we look at it and we go, okay, so how is this answering the question, how do we fix our focus 
We have to say, what is the first word there? Therefore. Romans 12, 1. Therefore. We have to ask the question, what is the therefore? Therefore. The therefore is there to point back, not to the words right before it. It's to point back to all, all of these words in all of these pages prior to that therefore. That is, this, the process of renewing your mind is remembering the gospel. If I could, I, I could probably just say, amen, close our Bibles, and be done for the day. And some of you wish that were true. Because the process of renew, the process of renewing your mind is the gospel. It is remembering the gospel. If we would just do that, the rest of this would be so much easier. But Paul gives us more than that, which is a good thing probably. And the first thing he says is he says, how do we fix our focus? Our first thing is we have to focus upward. Look at the first two verses of Romans 12. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you will prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. That, therefore, is the great hinge of the book of Romans. The, therefore, is there for a purpose, and it's to show us what we're supposed to do. Here's our role. What does he say? Present your body a living sacrifice. It is a beautiful picture of a life of worship. It is sacrificially giving your body away in the worship of God. It is going all in for the gospel. He's saying the only thing you've got to give God is this. That's it. So lay it on the altar and take your hands off of it. Because a sacrifice is not a sacrifice unless it is fully given. A sacrifice is not a sacrifice unless it is fully given. If you go, well, I'm going to give you this corner of my life, God, or I'm going to be really magnanimous, and I'm going to give you this half of my life, God, but I still want to hold on to this part, you have not made a sacrifice. It is not a sacrifice pleasing to God. He's saying, lay your life down, a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God. And then he keeps going. Now, guys, get, get, before I get this, because this is important for what I'm going to say next. When he says, present your body, it is in the present tense. That means it's ongoing. It's not present your body once when you raise your hand at church and pray to prayer. It is ongoing action. Continually be in the process of sacrificing your body, and it's in the active voice in the Greek. Active means you do it. And that's important for what I'm about to say next, because if you look at verse 2, he says, do not be conformed to this world. That word conformed is in the present tense, saying right, right now in this moment, don't be conformed. But it's in what's called the middle voice in the Greek. And I'm not trying to get all geeky on you and greeky on you, but it's important, because the middle voice is something we don't use much in English. The middle... Active voice, the way it was taught to me early on was the active voice is the boy hit the ball. So the boy was the one doing the hitting. The passive voice is the boy was hit by the ball. So he's standing there, he didn't do anything, he just got hit. The middle voice is the boy hit himself with the ball. I don't know why he would do that, but that's the middle voice. And, and the point here is when he's saying do not be conformed to this world, he's saying do not allow the world to conform you because it will if you let it. It's not the passive voice just going if you just sit back and do nothing. 
There's nothing you can do about it. It's not the active voice and going, you need to stop it. It's saying the world will conform. It will. We are like jello. We will conform into the mold that we're put in. So we better know what mold we're put in as Christians. So he's saying, don't just sit back and let the world conform you. But, what does he say? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, here's what's interesting about that word transformed. It is in the passive voice. That word transformation is only used two or three times in the New Testament. Once when Jesus is transfigured on the Mount of Transfiguration. It is always in the passive voice, and it's always miraculous. What Paul is saying is, your transformation is not something you do. It's something that's done outside of you to you. By the power of God, the Spirit of God, and the Word of God. And he's saying, you are going to be transformed just like Jesus was. And it is a miraculous event unto salvation. And frankly, every morning, every, not even every morning, every time you choose to not live in bitterness, but live in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, the fruits of the Spirit, every one of those moments is a miraculous event. It is supernatural because the Spirit of God, super, is taking your natural flesh and making it something you cannot be. So Paul is saying, don't you present your body. Don't, let the world, don't just sit back and let the world conform you, but supernaturally be transformed by the power of God. That's ultimately the process of renewing your mind. Paul says in, in another letter he writes to, in 2 Corinthians, he says it this way. We all, with unveiled face, behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed, that's the other time he uses the word, supernaturally into the image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. So you get from that passage, this is not just you're transformed unto salvation and now, you, now the rest of it's just up to you. Glory to glory to glory. It's this constant process of progressive sanctification, progressively becoming Christ-like. That's all sanctification means. Set apart, holy for God, just like Christ was. So we're going to over and over and over again. Guys, the behaving, here's, what we gotta, here's, here's the bottom, bottom line these first two verses. The behaving always follows the believing. We focus too much on behavior. I focus too much on behavior because I'm performance-oriented. Behavior, real heart behavior, the kind that's pleasing to God, always follows believing. It's why we have that, that picture, the, the thing I've talked about. Behold, believe, become, behave. Right? What we want to do is we want to say, no, behave, world, un unbelieving world. Just behave like Jesus, and then you'll believe in him. They can't. They don't have it. They don't have what? They don't have the Holy Spirit. Behold the beauty of Jesus Christ. Believe that he is the Son of God. That will ultimately fix your behavior. But it's hard. I mean, it's hard, guys. It's hard when, when we sit here for 90 minutes or maybe a little longer today. Sorry, you got out early last week, so it all bounces out. And... Or we go to our core groups, or we read our, and, and, and yet the other 160-something hours a week are screaming an anti-gospel message. They're screaming an anti-love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness message. They're screaming, it's all about you. It's all about just feed your flesh. 
and we'll get there. I'm getting ahead of myself in a minute. But, but, get, but get this. We are either conforming to the world, confronting the world, abandoning the world and just huddling up, or transforming the world. We're either confronting, conforming, abandoning, abandoning, or transforming the world. As followers of Christ, which one does he tell us to do? We're transform the world. We are his instruments of change. That's why that study that I'm going to be teaching the, the, in, in Tripp's book, that's why it's part of, it's, what I love about his perspective in the book is it's not just about you. It's about how does God work in your heart, in your life, so that he can use you as an instrument of change in the life of someone else. Because that's our job as Christians. Transformation is, a, is about change and and where we end begins with where we start. So I'll put that back up there again. So what we fixate on, we migrate towards. What our mind meditates on, our heart looks like. What molds our hearts consumes our soul. What consumes our soul defines our life. Now get this, here's added. What defines our life determines our destiny. What defines our life determines our destiny and our destination. Guys, it's not just what should, what should the next seven weeks look like as you think about those three things I asked you to think about, or what should this year look like? But what should your life look like? Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me. When that day comes, are you going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant? Or are you going to hear him go, depart from me, for I never knew you. You were one of those lukewarm people and there is no lukewarm in the body of Christ. There is hot or cold. But we have to focus, guys. We cannot live, like I can't on my own, one, we got to remember the gospel of Romans 1 through 11, but I cannot on my own live this life, and I can't live focusing on negative things and ungodly things and then somehow go, but when it comes time for in the next moment to live for Christ, I'm going to be able to do that. You know, the, the, the example I give all the time is I cannot be outside in my backyard doing my yard work having an, a negative conversation in my head, negative self-talk in my head about you guys or about, about some situation or, and then come into my house and go, I will be the husband and father that God's called me to be. It does not work that way. Right? God did not wire us that way. And so we have to get better at, okay, so how do I replace that bitterness that unforgiveness, that anger, that all the, all the deeds of the flesh are evident they are, what we talked about last week and hopefully what you looked at in the toolkit, how do I replace that with the beauty and the majesty and the glory and the grace that is Jesus Christ? That's where Paul takes us next. And these last three points move fast. If you look at the next point, it is one of, one of his antidotes for how do we fix our focus is we focus on our faith family. We focus on his bride, the church. I'm not just making that up because I'm very church-oriented. This is what he says. Look at what he says in verses 3 through 6, 8. He says, For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. 
So he's saying, think, think of others first. And then in this particular part of the passage, he's specifically talking about others in the church. How do I know? Look at verse 4. For just as we are memory, many members in one body, all the members do not have the same function. So we, are, we who are many are one body in Christ, individually members of one another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy according to the portions of his faith, service and serving, teaching to teaches, he who teaches teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who, gives liberty, he who gives with liberty, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Because I'm not going to go through all this. This is not an ex- a, a, a message on giftedness, this, but there's a list of some of them right there. And all he's really saying here is focus. God has intentionally called you not just to a, to a, unto salvation, but he's called you to a people group. God has not just saved you from judgment. He has saved you into a family. On purpose is what Paul is saying here. So figure out what your gifting is and practice it within the body and that will help you focus and renew your mind on the truth of who he is. We cannot be lone wolf Christians and live a renewed life. We just can't. Because the world is so good at sending its anti-gospel message, we need to not only just come to church, but we need to actually be a part of it. We need to plug into it. Not just attend it. I'm not going to spend any more time on that because next week we're talking about the one another's and that'll come out even more. But it's why a while back I said I'm going to add a B to my behold, believe, belong to a body. Belong. Don't just attend. Belong. And then it's you will become and behave. So today's question, how do we fix our focus? One, focus on the gospel. Two, focus upwardly. Three, focus on your faith family. The last, the last point is focus on loving and forgiving others. Focus on loving and forgiving others. And it's the last part of our passage, and I'm going to just quickly kind of go through it. If you look at the first few verses there, he's going to talk about forgiveness. He says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Who does that sound like, by the way? Jesus, right? He says, don't just bless them, love them and pray for them. How do you like that one? Then he says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind towards one another. And do not be haughty of mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. He's telling them, in a word, love each other. Guys, just just love each other. Prefer one another. Right? If you if you look at that, that's a by the way, that's a that's a great passage to look at when you, and I'm sorry, and I skipped it actually, verses 9 and 10. Let your love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Verse 10, this was our family's verse a few years ago. This might be one you want to cling to as a family. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. That's saying prefer one another. Consider each other before you consider yourself. Love each other. And then he's going to turn up the heat in the rest of this passage And he's going to say, not only love, but forgive a lot. Forgive consistently, completely, 
unconditionally, just like you have been forgiven. Guys, I, I was listening to a, a, a message the other day, a podcast or something, and the guy was talking, and he said, he said this. I wrote it down. He said, 80, it's not going to come up. He said, 84% of people in our country believe that enjoying themselves is the primary purpose of life. 84% of people in America believe that enjoying themselves is the primary purpose of life. Here's the problem. 66% of those who attend church had the same answer. Here's an even more striking thing. 96% of Americans said that answered affirmatively to they believe this. To find yourself, look within yourself. 96% of Americans said to find yourself, look within. And guys, and think about the message the world is preaching to us. Think, just, just, if you're going to watch football after church today, like I probably will watch more than I should. Look at the number of commercials that are all about feeding and looking within yourself to find happiness. Here's the problem. 74% of those who attend church had the same answer. I don't mean those who profess faith and, well, maybe they're not really. I mean, people who actually get up and go to church on Sundays are saying that to find yourself, you need to look within yourself. Guys, you can't find yourself by looking in with yourself. Why? Because we're the ones that are broken. Right? We're the broken ones. We have the wrong answer. We are the wrong answer. The truth is that unless you let go of you, you will never find Jesus Christ. Unless I let go of myself, I will never find Christ. And I certainly will never be able to love other people because it's all about me. Not really. Love becomes tit for tat. Forgiveness becomes tit for, if I'll forgive you this if you forgive me that. It's like going to Camp David, working out some sort of like contract with another country, going, okay, well, what are you going to give up so that I can get, okay, yeah. That, that's not what biblical love looks like. That's not what biblical forgiveness looks like. We forgive because we've been forgiven everything. We love because we've been loved deeply. And then he turns up the heat in the last part of the passage, and he says, Bless, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I already read some of it, but he says, um, number, verse 17, Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. I wish that was whited out in my Bible sometimes. And then he says, Never take your own revenge, beloved, but, the, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, and I will repay, says the Lord. And, and Brian talked about this part of the passage last week a little bit. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he is thirsty, give him drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. And I don't have time to, to flesh that out. But ultimately what Paul is saying is, that was a military term that was a way of wearing down your enemy. Here's what he's saying. He's saying just keep loving them and loving them and loving them and loving them until you wear them out. And how do I know that's true? Because look at the last part. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome, wear out evil with good. How many times do I have to forgive him, God? Seven? No. 490. Some of you are keeping account. <laughs> that all brings us back to renewing your mind, and I, and I know I'm out of time, so I'm going to ask the music team to come up as we get ready to respond to his will. Because this is all great theology and fluff about, well, how do, but guys, unless you do something with it. But here's what I don't want you to, I don't want you to walk out of here going, okay, 
The gospel, I get it. Good news, I get it. That, so, so now I'm going to go do it. No. The gospel, get it. Grace, get it. And go, that is the only way I'm going to actually be able to be it. Is by remembering the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's by remembering the grace that is found in him. Guys, why does it really matter? Like, why does our focus really matter? Because ultimately, if we really believe this, we will live our lives by it. Not because we have to, not because Pastor Doug told us to, and not, but, but, but because we long to, because we believe the gospel is better. Because it's not about the, it's not, it's not, we can't just preach a message of the world is evil and, and all that stuff out there is bad. Guys, what, the, the message is the gospel is better. Jesus is better than any of that. That's the answer. So what do I do? Like right now, I'm, I'm, what, do, what do I do about that? Well, first of all, what we, what we all need to do is repent. Continually. Repent. Replace the lies you have been whispering to yourself. And then rejoice in the truth that you are who you are because God says that's who you are. Let's pray. So Father, I thank you, Lord, for that truth. I thank you for the truth that by your grace alone, we can be the peacemakers, the truth proclaimers, the salt and light and love that you have called us to be. We cannot do that in our own strength. Our job is to lay down our lives a living sacrifice. Not to be conformed to this world. You will supernaturally transform us. So Lord, I pray right now for those who have not yet been born again. That first step in the transformation process. I, I pray in the name of Jesus, they would just be so sick of their old self. That your spirit would help them see the way out. And that is an invitation that says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light and you will find rest for your souls at my feet. And for those of us that are yours but are struggling, I, like myself, I struggle in bitterness and unforgiveness and negativity. The deeds of the flesh are far too evident. I pray that I would, we would put the cross of Jesus Christ on top of those deeds. Remember that that's where our victory is found. And walk, this in, the new, walk in the truth that we are a chosen race. We are a royal priesthood. We are a people for God's own possession that we might proclaim the excellencies of you. Because you have called us out of that darkness and in your marvelous light by the cross of Jesus Christ. And it's in the power of that cross and the assurance of our resurrection that I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.